Welcome to episode two of the Novel Hand podcast. Novel Hand's goal is to explore the best solutions to global humanitarian issues, and today we're talking to Connie Sai of Misolo about ethical fashion. Okay, so today we're talking to Connie Sai, and she is the executive assistant at Nisolo. Um, she's been involved in supporting um, the lowest wage challenge, and she's really passionate about ethically made clothing. Hello, Connie. Hi, Alexa. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to ha- have you. Um, so first, just tell me a little bit about how you developed a passion for ethically made clothing, sort of what that means to you. Yeah, um, I have just always been um, involved in supporting and helping marginalized communities, um, have um, just been involved in volunteering at a young age, and um, yeah, just really have a passion for community and supporting others. And I've also always loved fashion, and so I think I first heard about ethical fashion in high school, and I was like, what does that even mean? What does yeah, that look yeah. like? And I was like, it just sounds like such a cool way to merge two things that I love, just the art of fashion as well as helping people and um, helping communities that maybe need more resources to help themselves. And so I really started looking into what is ethical fashion? What does that look like? And um, yeah, it just kind of took off from there. That's awesome. That's really cool. Tell me a little bit about what does it mean for clothing to be ethically made? What like technically, but also what does that look like? Like in real life, if I'm going shopping, how do I know, you know, this is ethically made? Yeah, totally. So there is um, a couple components to ethically made fashion. Um, There's kind of the environmental piece as Mm -hmm. well as the um, people side of things and um, the social aspect of ethically made fashion. So when it comes to environmental, um, that's just trying to make sure that your, um, your production is as minimally harmful to the environment as possible. So that's things like carbon emissions and how do you sure. offset carbon emissions and using recycled materials and using materials that use less chemicals and more natural materials and things like that. Um, and then there's also the people um, and social side of things, which is making sure that um, workers are paid a living wage and um, are paid basically enough that they can support themselves and their mm-hmm. families to meet their basic needs of food, clothing, shelter. but also things like education and um, giving producers a safe working environment and resources to um, have financial literacy and know um, what it looks like to work in a formal economy and things like that. Um, So yeah, those are kind of the two big pieces of ethical fashion. And as far as like how a shopper can know that, um, it's really good to look at just companies about pages and see What is their mission? What do Mm -hmm. they stand for? Um, Are they paying attention to what kind of materials they're using? Um, Secondhand is something that is coming a lot more into the ethical fashion scene as well. And yeah, just seeing um, how brands advocate for their producers. Do they talk about their producers openly? Mm -hmm. Or is that something that's just not talked about at all? Um, That's definitely a big red flag if a company is not mentioning... um, what what their workplace mm-hmm. looks like or, or anything about the producers that make the clothes, um, that's definitely a sign of, um, yeah, not advocating for their producers for sure. Yeah. Wow. There's so many components I haven't, hadn't thought of just along the supply chain of those environmental and social aspects of like a, just like a jacket or something yeah, being yeah, made. Totally. So cool. Tell me a little bit about how you got involved with Nisolo. 
Yeah, so I have known about Nisolo Solo um, basically since inception of Nisolo. Solo. Um, so we are going on um, eight, I think eight years. Yeah, it okay. started in, um, oh, nine. It's 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it started in 2011. And um, I had known about it pretty early on, just being around Nashville. It got mm-hmm. started in Nashville. And right. again, that um, I started getting interested and introduced to ethical fashion kind of at a younger age. And um, so I just like saw Nisolo and the mission that they were on. And right. I was like, I want to check this out. And I looked at their website and I was like, wow, this is like an aspirational brand. <laughs> I like will like never, you know, be a part of it. We'll never know what it looks like to, you know, be in the company and um, even like wear the shoes, you know, it, mm-hmm. I, I was in high school, so it was extensive right? and yeah. I wasn't looking at <laughs> shoes that were in that price range. And so um, I had kind of just like pushed that aside and. Um, then I actually interned in Atlanta for a small nonprofit that supports local startups and they have a conference every year. And so I actually got connected to the CEO, Patrick Woodyard through that, um, cause he was speaking at this conference that I was helping to host. And then, um, it just kind of was a snowball effect of then I had, I went to Vanderbilt and mm-hmm. had my HOD internship and I interned at Nisolo. Yeah. And so I was on the team there and, um, that turned into a part-time job, which turned into a full-time job. And, um, I'm just so passionate about the team and, um, just being with them and seeing how much they care about their people, mm-hmm. um, both domestically and internationally. And so, um, yeah, it has just been uh, just snowball effect of how I heard about Nisolo Solo and learned about them and just got involved and just have been, you know, in all in on the mission. Yeah, sure. that's awesome to see how you've kind of been able to to grow with the company and get to be involved different ways and now get to work full time there. Yeah, yeah, it's a crazy story. I, you know, came on full time three days after graduation <laughs> and it's just been a blast. Yeah, then. tell me a little bit, like, what does a typical day working at Nisolo look like for you? Yeah, totally. So that is a funny question. You um, can ask me that <laughs> now and then in two months it'll be so different. Um, so as the executive assistant, Um, I support our CEO and our COO and a couple other executives on the team. And so um, I just get to be alongside them and and support them logistically um, and kind of also fill in on the team wherever it's needed. So one of my bigger roles recently has been um, kind of being a stand-in creative producer. So I get to be on photo shoots and I kind of um, lead those and um, execute on those, make sure we have models and, and fit shoes and style them and um, work with a photographer and scheduling. And um, that's been really cool to see that creative side of the business and um, yeah, the assets that you see on a website and things like that. Um, I've just gotten to really like feed into. Um, I have also previously been a part of the product development team where I get to help with fit and wear testing. So like Nisol is an ethical um, shoe company, but we also, you know, want to make sure we have a great product. It, it can't just be um, fully crutched on social and environmental impact. You know, you want to make sure that you can drive demand so that you can make a change. And so with product development, we work on fit and what our shoes look like and how they feel sure, on your sure, foot. Yeah. And so it's 
it's been a wild ride and every day is so different and I walk into a week and I'm like let's see what comes at me this week and it's it's a blast yeah yeah no it's awesome when you get to see the different components that all go into making one product yeah so, yeah it's always awesome. a running joke like yeah you're a little bit on every department and yeah it's it's great you get a taste of everything <laughs> totally <laughs> um so you've also been sort of involved in supporting this the lowest wage challenge tell me a little bit about where that came from what it means yeah so um, our CEO, Patrick Woodyard, he is just so passionate about people and the producers. And he, um, his story actually started off, he lived in Peru, was working for a small microfinance company, and um, just got to know some of the people there. And he met the shoemaker, William, and he just formed a real connection and was like, these shoes are beautiful. Like, how how is it that this small... Um, this guy in the back of this small convenience store can be making such beautiful shoes and people don't know about it. And so he's always had just a really tight connection to the people on the mission. And so a living wage is something that the fashion industry just doesn't take into account very much. Um, a living wage is different from minimum wage. And that is minimum wage is a legal requirement mm -hmm. by the government, whereas yeah. living wage is making sh is set by other standards that make sure that people have the minimum amount to meet their needs, which includes things like education. It's not just food, water, shelter. It, it includes the family. It, it includes cost of living. It's just a lot more inclusive than a minimum wage mm -hmm. is. And so um, basically the idea was that if your supply chain, your lowest wage does not meet a living wage, then there's one person and probably more that just aren't being taken care of in your supply right. chain. And yeah. so um, that was the heart of just saying, hey, this is an easy way to know whether you baseline care about your producers. Like yeah. there's so many things above and beyond that that you can do, which we advocate for. But at baseline, the easiest metric is to know if your low, absolute lowest wage in your supply chain is not a living wage, then something is happening. Right. And um, it was just this movement to say, it's there are complications with the industry and there are complications as to, um, to understand what it looks like to take care of producers. But um, that is just one easy way to say, hey, there's a solid metric that, you know, needs to be met across your supply chain. And so the lowest wage challenge was just this movement to challenge um, other brands to say, hey, we're publishing our lowest wage and um, it, we have decided to make it a living wage. And so I want to challenge you, no matter whether it, your lowest wage is a living wage or not, just just sharing that yeah, and being open yeah. and transparent. And there's this line um, that you'll hear so much with the lowest wage challenges. Um, it's about progress over perfection. And sure, so yeah. we want to make this movement inclusive and say, this is about just taking that first step and being in transparency. And um, from there, we hope that it spurs into a movement of action. Um, but you can't you can't take action if you're not honest about where you're at. And so that's really the heart of why why Nia Solo has partnered with um, Abel, um, another local brand that mm -hmm. does ethical fashion. And um, we've just said this is important and this is important for the industry, not just Nashville. And so, yeah, that's yeah, how it started. Yeah. I mean, as a consumer, it's something that I don't think I've thought a whole lot about before. But to see yeah. brands that I respect and that I, I like their products, to see that that's something they value, I think, adds that that social component that mm -hmm. maybe a lot of people don't don't consider when they're when they're shopping mm -hmm. or 
yeah, but that it seems really important and that that crucial, yeah, yeah, social component. Yeah, and like less than two percent of people in the fashion industry earn a living wage, um, and seventy five percent of those people that don't earn a living wage are women and so Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's something that you don't think about when you you know put your shirt on you're like in the morning you just throw your clothes on and you you don't think about you know who made it and what that stands for Mm -hmm. but it's so important to know that you are yeah supporting supporting an industry or feeding into an industry well and Mm -hmm. in a positive way yeah yeah I mean I can see in, in that way it's not just it's not just a, a business issue or a management issue. Issue mm-hmm. it becomes a gender issue and a social issue and mm-hmm. a cultural cultural um, component to Absolutely. it as well. Yeah. What sort of has been the response to the lowest wage challenge so far from other companies or from consumers, things like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been so cool. So this movement was basically started on social media, like every big movement right, now, yeah. and um, it's been so cool to see the response from consumers. Um, there were just like thousands upon thousands of nominations and um there were i think over 500 brands nominated across the board across industries everything from really big brands to really small brands and um it was just so cool to see the response and um it was brands that claim that they're ethical and brands that don't like it was just across the board and um you know we've been in talks with you know helping just like getting conversations going, there were some brands that were like, wow, I, like even they they kind of knew of this stuff, but they were like, I, I want to be at a place where I publish my lowest wage. Um, and it was just cool to see from the brand side that people were pumped. And um, there have been a lot of people that have wanted to partner and, and be a part of it mm-hmm. and publish their wages too. And so um, it has just been a really cool response and just a big show of how this community is growing because if you know if this had launched even two or three years ago I think the response would have been significantly smaller and it's just the community around ethical fashion has really showed up and I think it has just grown through this challenge yeah I can see like you said that progress over perfection and Mm -hmm. I mean that's what you're seeing as a result is progress whether that's conversations or new brands getting involved and I mean this is I feel like it's just the beginning yeah it totally is so exciting um how has this like passion for ethical fashion, ethically made clothing, how is that a part of your daily life? Yeah, um, it, it just is an awareness of, of when I walk through a store, what goes into it. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and it's gotten me thinking about things, not just clothes, but you know, the everyday things that I use, the everyday items that I use. Um, and I think for me, it's been, it's just been an acute awareness of also like how much I am a consumer. I love fashion. Right. And I'm such a high advocate for fashion as an art. Like I don't want to ever lose that. Um, I I really the the phrase passion for fashion is so cliche, <laughs> but it's so true. I I love getting dressed in the morning mm-hmm. and picking out an outfit and feeling like I am myself and I can go throughout yeah. the day just like knowing that um, you know people can see me and say like oh that's like. Connie and I love that um but I yeah I will just say like I used to be such a heavy consumer of fashion and um still I'm working on that again progress (laughs) over perfection for sure still I'm definitely a shopper but I think I've also been acutely aware of how much I used to consume and how every new thing that came out I was like wow I like really want that I really need that and I think that awareness has 
been so helpful in just understanding the, um, the just the need to you know purchase ha- to to utilize purchase power well yeah and yeah. to be okay to spend more money on less things that mm-hmm. you know that have higher quality or that stand for a mission and um, really digging into things like that because the only reason that those things are more expensive is because the market's skewed right, and right. how can I how can I contribute to the market in a way that helps take take away that skew like yeah. these things are more expensive even though they should be normal price because other other brands are being pressured to have lower prices and so they pressure their factories to have lower mm-hmm. wages and yeah. if we all were able to start slowly but surely spending more money on less pieces and and really positively contributing to the fashion industry then the market would skew that way and the playing field would be even because everyone would be paying their workers well. And so I think um, that has been the biggest thing every day when I'm walking through a store. I still, of course, have like an appreciation for fashion and art, no matter, you know, whether I'm at Target or whether I'm at somewhere like Nisolo or Able. But um, just understanding that when I walk through Target and I see seven items that I like think I really need and want maybe instead of thinking about what is that one thing from a- another local brand like Elizabeth Suzanne that I you know can instead of getting seven pieces that I'll wear seven times getting one piece that I'll wear 50 to 100 times right, things yeah. like that yeah anybody who knows Connie knows that she is very fashionable <laughs> and that she loves people well so it's so beautiful to see like how you've combined those things into so ethical fashion and just your daily life so that's really awesome um, so our last question what do people our age need to know about ethical fashion ethically made clothing what is sort of a really important takeaway would you say um, for our generation yeah I would say start small um, again when I first Sony solo I was like a hundred dollar shoes what like <laughs> I was just like I-, I could not believe it and I just started realizing like as I got older I was like oh I that's because I've been trained again to just yeah. get seven shoes for ten dollars instead of like one really nice pair of shoes and um the first time I got any solos I was like skeptical of the difference I was going to feel and and things like that even with other other brands I was like is it really going to be that different and just thinking about the quality and the handy work that goes into it is it's it definitely makes a difference and also just knowing that those people are taken care of you can start with one piece it's it's not like every time you go into Target and you buy a shirt you have to feel guilty but it's just about saying like having that awareness slowly but surely just make its way into your everyday thinking and yeah I started I definitely started small I mean I um I didn't get a pair of knee solos until I was interning there you know like I did I never made the jump before that um but now that I'm like okay I I really have the capacity to invest in these small pieces and I'm not saying that you know, you need to be wearing your shirts until they have holes all over them right, and right. things like that. But just like 
just finding that one piece that you know you're going to love and you're going to wear forever and you're going to even if it goes out of style for a little bit you're it's going to be in good enough quality to keep and hand down to your kids something mm-hmm. like that just find that piece and start there and say like I'm going to set enough money aside to go for this and I think that slowly just that transition into being like oh this one thing is feasible just started slowly like integrating into my closet of like okay this is something that I can do more frequently and more often and um, but still find ways to to make it your own and yourself and um, there's so many more brands that are doing good things so that that fun and playful spirit is getting more accessible um, and so yeah just start with one piece would be my encouragement for sure yeah I definitely think in any area of our life intentionality starts with with a small step and then mm-hmm. grows from there. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Actually, I have one more question. Yeah. I heard that you have a warehouse sale coming up. <laughs> we do. It is next weekend. Um, I think that's the 21st and the 22nd, or the okay. 22nd and the 23rd. Yeah, it yeah. is Saturday and Sunday of next weekend. And again, like that is a great way to start. Um, I have so many friends that I always say, hey, like I have this, like we're having a sale, like come by. And um, th- a lot of my friends get their first piece from these big yeah, sales okay. and then they get addicted. My roommate has like almost as many sales as I do. She has like <laughs> seven and yeah, it's again, like once, once you've started, you just realize like, wow, this, there's a difference. And like, this is something that I think is worth, you know, buying into and investing. Yeah. In, so. Well, I'll be there. So <laughs> that's amazing. I will be there too. Come awesome. see me. See you there. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Connie. It's been such a privilege to just hear about your passion for ethical fashion and how that's a part of your life and and a passion that that you have. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Alexa, for having me and just starting this conversation. What y'all are doing is amazing. That is a wrap on episode two of the Novel Hand podcast. I want to say a big thank you again to Connie of New Solo for joining us. It was just awesome to hear about her passion for ethical fashion, how that's a part of her daily life and also her work. Um, I'm really excited for this warehouse sale on Saturday and Sunday, February 22nd and 23rd. Um, looking to buy my first pair of New Solos. So be sure to check that out if you're in the Nashville area. Um, And be sure to follow along with what we're doing at Novel Hand. You can find us obviously online at novelhand.com. We're on Instagram at novel.hand and on Facebook as Novel Hand. Um, You can find our podcasts on Podomatic, but um, more for the general public would be Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, And we have new episodes every Monday, so be sure to check that out. And then lastly, you can sign up for our email updates to get our weekly newsletter on Sundays. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.